0: Don't turn away those little deals just because it's a $100,000 house because when that investor finishes it and he listens it, you know, that's a double payment for you. Live in the mix.
1: La- 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 ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Tide Capital Millionaire Podcast. Let's go! Let's go! At Tide Capital, we believe business and investing are team sports. You know how we do. You know how we do. And this podcast is for those who want to turn their capital into generational legacy.
0: This episode is brought to you by 247 Watches. Shop our limited edition luxury watches at 247watches.com.
2: That's T-W-E-N ty47watches.com. Use code Capital at checkout for a special discount. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at 247watches. That's at
0: T-W-E-N-T-Y 47watches. Hey everybody, it's your girl Erica Williams from the Classy Climb blog. I'm a six-figure YouTube earner and the author of the book, Smartphone Millionaire, how to lend to people, real estate and businesses from the palm of your hand. And if you're interested in the three things that changed my life over the past four years to become a six-figure YouTube earner and investor in multiple properties in multiple states, I would love for you to join me over at the Classy Climb YouTube channel.
1: Yep, and here are your host, Miss Flipping and Heels, what, what, what? Roshana Scott, and Mr. Todd Millionaire himself, Charles, Charles Oglesby. Charles, Charles, Oglesby.
3: Charles, 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 this is the Tide Capital Millionaire Podcast. My name is Charles Oglesby, also the Top Millionaire, founder and director of the Tide Capital Investment Club. This is episode, I believe, 151. So that's dope. Um, thank you guys all for tuning in. The purpose of the podcast is to share the stories of successful African American business owners and investors. Um, we want people to see that there are successful examples that exist so that you can be inspired, you can be motivated, you can see what's possible despite what everybody else tells you is not possible. Um, we also believe that business and investing are the true keys to financial success and generational wealth. With us today, we have Yasinia Guerrero. Welcome to the show. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, who you are and where you're from?
0: Okay, sure. Well, thanks for having me. Um, I am originally from Dominican Republic. I'm located in Houston, Texas. Um, I have a brokerage with about 25 agents now under us, um, including, like I mentioned, we have some agents that are flippers. We have some agents that own their own construction companies also. Um, I started a little bit backwards in the business. I was a business analyst um, in corporate America and started doing um, real estate part time to find like flip deals and stuff and work with investors. Once um, I got laid off from corporate America for like the third time I decided to do this full time, um, migrated into traditional real estate and subsequently opened up my brokerage. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Um, I'm an example of where you can start later on in life, no matter where you are. Change, you know, your path and and definitely set your, your goals and achieve them. Thanks. Nice. Well,
2: um, I'm here. Charles, Charles didn't introduce me, but... <laughs> So where yeah, are you? You're where are you from, Rishana Scott? Right. No, it's okay. <laughs> so, um, so can you tell us about uh, actually going back even before starting your brokerage and starting in real estate? Like we always like to ask, what was life like growing up for you? Like, were you surrounded by entrepreneurs? You know, like, how did you decide that you were gonna, you know, take a leap of faith into getting into real estate? Um, did you have anyone around you who was doing it? Can you take us back to that? So growing up, yes.
0: um, Growing up, my stepdad was a serial entrepreneur, you know, and I don't think I realized the influence until I started doing this. Um, Mm -hmm. My background is, you know, Latin, Dominican. Um, All of my sisters, um, all of my family have worked eight to five. I'm the only entrepreneur in my family. Um, So when I decided to do this full time, I got a lot of like, girl, you're crazy, you know, just get you another job. You can keep doing this part time. It's commission based. It's not. So I kind of had to fight that and just follow my heart because it was a lot of pushback as opposed to, you know, yes, you can do it, do it, which is really the mentality of a lot of people um, in America, The, the, the fear of leaving that secure every Friday paycheck. Um, And it wasn't easy. It took me probably about eight months to close my first deal. So um, there were a lot of long days and a lot of maybe I should go back to corporate America. But what I realized was that um, every day I planted different seeds. Every day, like I just planted different seeds. And then when the time came, everything basically kind of just flourished all at the same time. And I was able to like keep going and make this like
2: a, a lifelong career. Mm -hmm. And so with you say your stepfather was a serial entrepreneur, Um, what type of businesses did he have? And were you involved in any of those? No. um, Well, my stepdad, he had um, where I grew
0: up in the St. Thomas in the Virgin Islands. And he owned um, a ferry company that took passengers between the St. Thomas and St. John Islands. A lot of people work, you know, live on one island and, and work on a different one. Um, he had the only Hertz rental car company on the island. He, you know, had safari business. So, I mean, just a lot of I, anything that he could think of. I mean, he just kind of went after it and executed.
3: Love it. One of the things you said is uh, a lot of people want that security and that every Friday paycheck. But then you also said that you were laid off more than once. Yes, I think a lot of times entrepreneurship comes when we realize that that security is not really that secure. Exactly. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. You hit it on the head. That was exactly it. Um, I put in years and years and years at waste management as a business analyst, um, laid off. Then I did years and years at NRG, you know, again, laid off and laid you know, I think that sometimes like, you know, we get in our own way because we're looking for that security. I was the type of person that within a couple of weeks, I'd be at another job, a better job. You know, this last time it didn't happen that way. Um, I did find a job, but it took forever for them to sign off on the offer packet. And I said, you know what? Let me just try this. You know, let's see what happens. Like, this is what I really want to do. I already have the license. Let me try it. But yeah, it is really hard to let go of that security, especially when you have a decent paying job you know, in corporate America. But I mean, all the hard work and everything, it definitely, definitely pays off if you stay true
2: to it. Absolutely. Um, So you said it took you eight months to get your first deal. So tell us what that first deal was like. And then you were still working at the time. I wasn't.
0: So um, I'd done deals doing it part time. Um, but when I, I remember it was uh, December when I decided to just go ahead and do it full time. I'd gotten laid off in October and, you know, by December, I didn't have another job. And I said, you know what, let me just take this leap of faith. You know, um, corporate America is not what I want to do. Um, it's already been a couple months. I haven't found anything. Let me try this path. Um, Between December and I closed my very first substantial deal, August of the following year. So during those eight months, like I lived off of savings. I um, did a couple leases here and there, um, but no no closings, no sales. that first deal came from a friend. You know, I started reaching out to my sphere of influence, everyone that I knew, letting them know, "Hey, you know, I'm in real estate now, like I'm selling, I'm but, you know, anything that you're doing." So a friend reached out, um she was looking to buy a new house, and that we closed her house in August. That was the fir- but like I said, like all those 8 months, any little money that I made, I was still reinvesting into the business. I was mailing out letters. I was, you know, knocking on doors. I was reaching out to people. I was sending handwritten cards to people that I hadn't talked to in a while, letting them know, you know, with a business card. So um, it, it was a struggle for a while. But once, like I said, those seeds that you plant in your own business, eventually like a plant grows out of them. And I did one in August. I had another closing two weeks after that. A letter that I'd mailed in January of that year, the person called me in October of that year. We sold his house and he referred another sale to me. So once it started happening in August, then, you know, everything
2: just came to fruition. You know, I love that you say that because I actually had a conversation the other day and I was just saying like, You can't, we can't sit around and just say, oh, I want more business or I hope I get more business or I want my business to grow. Like you got to work towards more business, right? And so I love the fact that you are like, listen, you know, I didn't know um, where the next paycheck was going to come from, but you just continue to put in the work anyway. And I think we um, constantly talk about that on this show. Um, because it's, it's, it's the reward of those who constantly show up. Those are the ones who see the rewards. Those are the ones who get to success and, and get to benefit and, and see, you know, and, and get to where they want to be. Absolutely.
3: I think what's cool is it's like when you start a business and you're doing a bunch of stuff, but you're not getting paid. It's like, I think there was a quote that says, like, when you're an entrepreneur, you're going you're gonna to work really hard and be underpaid. And then later on, you're going to not work a lot and be overpaid. And so it's like people don't want to do that underpaid work in the beginning, not realizing you are just planting seeds. So now you've scaled your business to the point that you have. Um, What does that look like? What does that process look like?
0: Same thing. I went through a couple different brokerages. Um, I didn't like the, the culture in some of them. And I wanted to provide a place. One, I wanted to get my license as soon as so there's a four year period that you have to be an agent and you have to do a certain amount of transactions before you can even sit for the broker's exam. Um, and different brokerages, I was kind of seeing a lot of what I saw in corporate America. So I wanted to create a brokerage where my agents A got to keep most of their um, commissions because really there are the ones that are out there pounding the pavement, and working hard. Um, I also wanted to be available for agents that really wanted to scale their business and grow and learn. So I sat for the broker's exam, passed it. Um, Before I thought about really laying the foundation and opening the brokerage, I had a few people reach out to me and say, hey, now that you have your your brokerage, are you taking agents? Like, I'd love to come to your brokerage. And that kind of started it all. Um, We've grown kind of organically, kind of slow, because I don't want to end up with a hundred agents and not be able to kind of touch them all. I want something small, but that where we provide like excellent service every single transaction. So we kind of interview our agents a few times before we sign them up. The business part is a little different because you now you're managing people and you're trying to push and motivate them and, and, you know, keep them going during those times when you remember your times where it's like, man, like, I don't have anything going on right now, you know? So just kind of trying to push agents through that you know three six eight month period to where they become productive and they're happy with what they did. So that's the part that I enjoy. Um, it's been it's been good. You know, it's been um, a learning process for me too. It's I hate the paperwork, but I love helping
2: the agents. Thanks. Um, so I actually wanted to go um, back. <laughs> we try not to jump back and forth, but I want to go back to um, your initial deals when you were still working in corporate and how'd you go about finding those and did you partner on those because you were working a full-time job and then also trying to figure out real estate. And I think a lot of our listeners are in that position right now. So I definitely um, didn't want to skip over that. I want to I wanna mm-hmm. dissect that and see what that was about for you and just figuring it all out. So, initially,
0: when I started real estate, like I said, I started a little backwards because I started in the investment kind of world. Um, I knew a few investors that were buying properties and flipping properties, looking for land and stuff. So, what I did was I focused a lot on finding deals that would work for them. So, um, and then that kind of grew into meeting other people. The, the key for a new real estate agent is. You know, letting everyone know around them that they are in real estate Mm -hmm. and um, networking, connecting with people, other people that are in the business, not necessarily other agents, but investors, you know, that find out what their criteria is, find out, you know, how to work those investment numbers because investors are always, always going to be buying, you know. So while it may take you three months, to work a traditional lead, you know, you find something for an investor that works and that's a quick to be closing. It may not be the $300,000 house that you want to sell to get that bigger paycheck. It may be a hundred, you know, 200, but there's volume there and at yep. the same time you're learning.
3: This episode of the Todd Capital Millionaire podcast is sponsored by Hood Estates. Hood Estates is offering a Hood Estates elite real estate investing program as well as a Hood Estates Trekking program. All the details can be found in the show notes. You can also find them on Instagram at Hood Estates
1: money to pay off debt and increase your income? I'm Terry Igioma from Invest with Terry, and I teach an online course on how to invest in the stock market for daily or weekly returns. My seven-step strategy saves you time and erases the guesswork from trading. With these seven steps, I've earned over $16,000 in a day without having a large account. Start big or small, these proven steps will increase your profits and decrease your losses. To learn more, visit
0: itradeandtravel.com. So what I would say is go out there, meet the flippers in your area, meet the investors, do searches for houses that the numbers work and, you know, don't turn away those little deals just because it's a hundred thousand dollar house, because when that investor finishes it and he listens it, you know, that's a double payment for you. You Uh get paid when you sold it to him, you get paid when you sell it for him, you know, so those relationships are really important.
2: Yeah. I love it. So you've built like pretty much um, an investor friendly brokerage then. Yes.
0: Yes. All my I teach all my agents how to run numbers for investors. I teach them um, how to deduct all the fees. I teach them that having those relationships are really, really important. Um, I have investors that, you know, are constantly out there knocking on doors, doing mail outs and, and looking for properties. When those properties don't work for them because the properties don't need to work or, you know, they're priced at retail. The first thing they do is say, Well, I have an agent for you that can list the property for. You, you know, so those um, real estate is just a business of relationship, really. And the, okay. the more relationships you build with people, the more your phone will
2: ring. Yep, I say that all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, we're, yeah, we're definitely in a relationship business for sure. Yes, absolutely.
0: What you got for Rashana?
2: So, um, so... Rashana
3: is a realtor, any, by the way. You guys you are the peers. Any, I don't
2: think peers.
0: So.
2: Yeah, do you have any um, agents at your brokers who invest in real estate themselves? Yes, I do. I
0: actually have, um, One team that um, owns a construction company also does flipping purchases. I mean, everything from, you know, rehabs, new construction, um, lot purchases, custom homes. You know, my white wall real estate group um, handles any and every aspect of um, real estate. I also have another team, my Apartments of Houston team. They do everything from apartment locating to multifamily constructions, multifamily rehabs, um, also listing selling. Um, I have a new group um, that started with me here recently, the ACE Group. They also do a lot of flipping um, and like rehab deals, um, selling to investors, also looking for properties for investors to flip. Nice. Yes,
2: we are invest, very investment heavy at our firm. Nice. So, under your brokerage, you have like different divisions and different specialties. So, where you have your agents, like I said, working with either new construction or development or landlords. Yes. Love it. Love it. Um, and I also like that you said, um, you said a, a little while ago, you said investors are always buying. Um, so what year, how, how old is your brokerage? My brokerage will be two years old in October. OK. All right. And so what are some of the things that you've seen as far as like trends of investors over the past couple of years um, or, or even from initially when you first started out? Um, in real estate, you know, over four years ago, like what are some trends or changes that you've seen in different ways on how investors have pivoted? Because I think that's so key to talk about, especially like now we're going through a global pandemic and there's a lot of folks, especially new investors um, or even new home buyers, who their very first question is is this a good time to buy real estate? Right. Um, mm-hmm. All because of what's going on with the economy and things like that. But like, so by you, by you saying investors always are buying, like, you know, I think I, I want I want you to, you know, elaborate there. So, yeah.
0: um, And that is we do. I have a lot of buyers that said, you know, let me wait and see what's going to happen before mm-hmm. I buy. Um, but the thing is like when they ask that question, when is a good time to buy, when it comes to real estate, always is a good time to buy, you know, there's never a bad time to buy real estate, really. You know, if the numbers are right, grab it. You know, um, my investors have stayed pretty active. Um, they did go through a period where they wanted to see what's going to happen. That lasted maybe like about three weeks and, um, the, even with the pandemic, I don't think that the market, at least here in Houston, has been overly affected. We've stayed kind pretty strong throughout the last three months. So um, we have criteria. We have formulas. I have formulas for each and every investor. And anything that I have brought that fits into that formula, they've still been gun haul, let's go. I'm ready to do it. Um, so not they they have not changed much. Um, as long as it fits within their model, um, every investor has still been going, I mean, as strong as
2: they were four or five months ago. Nice. And are you are your um, agents walking properties and uh, like, are you also uh, teaching them about running uh, rehab
0: numbers, too? Yes. So what um, I always give them a blank number um, in order to do a full rehab, like kind of by size. So mm-hmm. I always have them take the ARV, OK, deduct a full rehab on it, minus fees. And if you land at this number, this is a good property. If you need a little bit more research, then that's when, you know, we have several contact contractors within our firm that you can run and get numbers from. But I always push, you know, stay on the high end. You know, it's always better to give, you know, to to be on the high end and for your investor to be happy at the end that they made more money as opposed to try to be on the low end to make a deal work. And then, you know, you just look like you don't know what you're doing. Mm. So we almost always calculate for a full rehab. We deduct, um, from the ARV, that full rehab and then any fees and stuff. And that's our starting point. That's good. Yeah. And a lot of times when you do numbers like that, you don't really have to walk the property. You can make offers without walking the property. Of course you give yourself, you know, an option period of a few days just in case when you do go to the property, there are other major things that you didn't account for, you know, cause you never account like in that full rehab number, you're not accounting for things like foundation. You're not accounting for, you know, a whole electrical rewire and things like that. So you do put in that due diligence period um, to kind of make sure that your full rehab is everything on the inside of the home and that you're not having then other major expenses.
2: Mm -hmm. That's a good, that's a really good... tip that you give there because I've given that tip to a lot of investors before too and I don't I don't necessarily advise it for new investors because I have had people ask me like do you think it's wise to make deals sight unseen and I was like well if you have the budget to just estimate for for rehab but if not you know you're going in and your numbers are already tight and you don't have a great relationship with your contractor you know you should probably walk it first to Mm -hmm. make sure that it's going to work but um i I love that idea you know it definitely saves more time Mm -hmm. and you know in this competitive market you may or may not win the bid anyway so you know as far as going and going to a property and trying to run numbers and submit an offer you by the time you do all that it, it might already be gone
0: exactly so yes definitely time saving tool always plan for the worst And submit your offer and give yourself just a few days to kind of walk that property and see and give yourself an out in that contract if it doesn't work. But if you plan for the worst, you can sit there, you can write 10 contracts on 10 different properties and send them all out at the same time. And you will almost never lose
3: like that. Honestly, I've never even heard of realtors going into the numbers and working with investors like this. Typically, what I've seen realtors do is just do strictly uh, like retail stuff. So, are you guys unique, or is that pretty typical in the in the Houston market?
0: Well, um, I don't think that we're unique, but I do think that we're part of a very small number of, and you know, investors call us investor-friendly realtors. Um, mm-hmm. So, it, there's not a lot of realtors out there that do know how to run these numbers and calculate things. And, you know, make these numbers work before they present it to their investors. So when investors meet us, they love us because we do a lot of the legwork for them. And then when we bring them a deal, you know, it's okay, this is great. It works. Let's go submit it, you know? Um, And that's why I try to teach all my agents how to do these numbers and explain these numbers to them so that, you know, they can build those relationships and that when they do bring something to an investor, they seem like, wow, she really does understand investments and the business, you know, and that only solidifies, you know, that
2: relationship with that investor. Right. I agree. Um, So tell us, like, what are some of the biggest um, lessons you've learned while growing a brokerage and bringing on um, 25 agents? Um, One of
0: the biggest lessons I've learned, I mean, it has to be you know, kind of structure, you know, as agents, we're always on the go, you know, we're always showing property, we're going here, we're going there. And we kind of manage manage our own little self. But um, it's taking a lot of structuring and a lot of systems in order to be able to manage agents now, and to keep up with like everything and everyone else's files. So um, systems and structure has been probably like the hardest thing and the biggest lesson for me, making sure that there's a, a, a solid foundation so that we don't end up with things falling through the cracks that can later, you know, come back and bite us.
2: Yeah. I mean, 25 agents in two years, like that's, that's pretty big. <laughs> and then you mentioned, so some of your agents are also contractors.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. I do. I have two teams that are both um, real estate agents and have construction companies.
2: Okay, good to know. And then um, within that, now do you do any investing yourself? Like, are you flipping? Do you have investment property?
0: Um, I do. Um, I ha- I do some wholesaling, some flipping. Um, not a lot right now because between my traditional business and the brokerage, the time um, isn't there. I am working now on building a portfolio of duplexes. Um, so that's kind of what's taking the the majority of my brain power right now, just kind of structuring that, finding the land and starting construction on those.
2: Nice. Gotcha. And I think it's really good that you have, I mean, you have the construction in house, you have everything you need in order to walk a deal from the beginning to the end of the finish line. So that's really good.
0: Yeah, that has always been kind of like my vision to have the type of brokerage that when you walk through the door in our building, you have the lender, you know, um, on one side, you have the property management in that same building, you have, you know, the financial advisor in that same building. So no matter what your situation is, what you're looking for, um, once you walk through the doors at CJM, there's gonna be someone there to guide you and help you um, from, you know, A all the way through Z. You know, whether you need credit repair, whether you need, you know, someone to help you set a budget, whether you need to rent, you know, for a year before you can purchase this property from us. You know, once you come here, like
2: we got you covered 110%. Right. Nice. A, one, a one-stop shop brokerage. Yep. One-stop shop. <laughs> Love it. Love it. So um, so the market in Houston, would you say is pretty competitive? Would you say it's pretty stable? Um, right now, stable and competitive.
0: Um, you still have properties that are going on the market um, that are like multiple offers per day on the market. I listed a house three weeks ago. We had a to- I had a builder building a total of five. Um, two of them sold just by me putting signs in the yard. Um, and then I listed one on the MLS just to kind of test the market and see what, you know, they're still under construction. And from listing that one that same day, I sold all three that were remaining. So Houston is really, really, I mean, is really still really high right now.
3: Um, it's, it's funny because sometimes when I see like people making a lot of money in a certain market, you start to think that maybe there's not much upside or not much opportunity there. So how are you still able to find opportunity in a market where people are doing such great things?
0: Relationships. Relationships. I have, I've built relationships with several builders. Um, you know, this is, um, these five houses is from my um, affordable home builder that does a lot of work with the city of Houston um, and the Midtown Redevelopment Program, which are buy-in lots um, within the city limits. Um, They're clearing them and they're selling the lots to builders at a discount, but they have to put an affordable house on that lot. So even though everything within that area may be selling in the 300s, 400s, Um, you know, they still have to sell them at the price that the city gives them. For example, these five sold at $195, and that was the absolute most the city would allow the builder to sell those houses for. Um, So I have a great relationship with that builder. Um, We did, they did five at the beginning of the year. Now they're finishing up these five. Um, I have two other builders that are building custom homes um, that have, you know, several homes that are coming up here within the next two months. So it's just, I mean, leveraging my relationships and making sure that I'm constantly networking and meeting with people that, you know, are either building or staying in touch with past clients so that, you know, if they know anyone that's buying or selling, you know, they'll always refer me. Um, but yeah, it's it's just the number one principle, just, you know, keeping your relationship strong.
2: Hey ladies, this is your co-host, Rashana Scott. And are you looking for a community of women real estate investors? If so, I wanna take a quick second to share with you Infinity Membership. Sorry fellas, (laughs) but Infinity Membership is a women's only online community for newbie and experienced investors. Come let your hair down and join a non-judgment zone sisterhood where all of your questions about investing in real estate get answered. This is also an opportunity to learn from the best of the best Other seasoned and successful women in the industry share their success tips often. Our live group sessions are twice a month and we support each other daily within our private Facebook group. Our sessions range from driving for dollars, to working with contractors, to out-of-state investing, raising private capital, marketing your deals, and so much more. Does this sound like something that you've been looking for? Well, we would love to have you. For more information, visit us at bit.ly forward slash infinity membership. Again, that's bit.ly forward
1: slash infinity membership. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 in side money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio on Instagram at partner with Millie or on Instagram at Todd.Capital or just head over to
3: Gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. What would you say was your most successful uh, real estate transaction?
0: Most successful? um, Probably February of this year. I had a referral again from um, one of my investors. This was for traditional real estate, though. he referred a couple to me. This couple was selling their home um, and by and purchasing, they wanted something bigger. And they, um, I gave them the, the price that I thought the house would sell for. Um, they wanted to list it a little bit higher, but we ended up on the nose on the price that I told them, sold their home, found them the perfect home that they were just so in love with. And I mean, those two closings went through without a hitch. I mean, it was probably the first time I think the real estate gods were looking down on me (laughs) this um, year because there were no issues. Inspections were great. Everything just kind of went through like one, two,
2: three, four. No issues. And that was about a million dollars worth of real estate. Nice. Um, And then what would you say your most invest your most successful investment deal was um, as far as like a flip deal?
0: Um. I had a listing in um, um, an area that's transitioning in Houston. And from my sign in the yard, I got a call from um, someone that wanted to see about um, selling their home. Now, The I I love this deal because another this this was an older lady, you know, um, and someone else tried to take advantage of her. Um, And, you know, she'd spoken to another investor. The house was in really bad shape. Um, they were trying to flip her house and he put his name on her deed. When she told him, no, like, I'm not going to sell you my house. Like, I'm just not. He ended up going down to the courthouse, having her sign a one page document telling her it was just an offer and um, taking it to the courthouse and putting his name on her deed. Um, When she called me off of the sign on my yard, I kind of went through the whole process. Like I said, she was an older lady, only getting social security. I got her an attorney, got his name off the deed, was able to, you know, give her a very fair price for her home, plus put her in another smaller home that she could pay cash for so that she didn't have, you know, because her main worry was, this is all I have. I need to be able to live the rest of my life. Like I can't rent an apartment. I need to be able to live the rest of my life, you know? And it wasn't a deal like I made sure to maximize her um, profit. So it wasn't a deal that I made a whole lot of money on, but I felt really good like being able to help her get out of the house that was falling apart on her, put her in a smaller house that she was able to pay cash for. And I mean, even then, um, that house was worth probably double than what um, we paid for it. I mean, of course, it took a lot of work, but it's a gorgeous, gorgeous house now.
2: I love that because, um, like you said, real estate is a relationship business, but we're also in the business of helping people. And that's yes. huge. Like, you know, our elderly should not be taken advantage of, especially in the industry of real estate. And that's why um, it is becoming more and more regulated, you know, across the country, like, in Illinois now, you have to be a licensed realtor in order to even wholesale because so many people were getting taken advantage of. So you being able to come in and fully understand her situation and get her into um, you know a place to where she was she was happy at. Like that's what it's all about, really. Like you said, like being able to one help her sell her home, two get her in a place that she was going to be comfortable with, and like said, pay cash with you know for the rest of her life, not have to worry about a mortgage again um live comfortable i'm sure probably like the house that she sold it probably needed some work so get her into (laughs) yeah get her into a place that didn't need them didn't need a lot of work like it's it's that it's it's all full circle for sure so i really yeah that's what it's about
0: yeah and i mean crazy because the the reason i got into real estate was because um i don't know if you remember back with the bubble where um Everyone was putting people into like these arm loans and stuff, and it was just so much going on with real estate and I had so many friends. I remember I had a friend that I worked with at the company I was working full time then this was even before I got my license and she was making like nine dollars an hour, and they sold her a two hundred and seventy thousand dollar house and i 'm like, "How are you?" But they put her on an arm loan. Mm even then I knew, I'm like, well, what are you going to do, you know, when the arm comes due? Like, you know, and it's like, and of course, you know, foreclosed like so many other people. So the reason, my my original reason for wanting to get in real estate and stuff like that stemmed from that and wanting to help people and make sure that they made the right decisions when they were purchasing and that, you know, because that they weren't just taken advantage of, that they weren't Mm -hmm. putting, I'm not putting you in this $270,000 house just so that i can get this three percent
2: exactly
0: failure so i mean it's it's been i'm I'm glad that i've been put in a position to be able to kind of like help people and that otherwise would have ended up being taken advantage of or put in in a situation just kind of set up to fail later
2: on Mm -hmm. yeah that's good and um Yeah, I take pride in that, too. As a realtor, like here in Mm -hmm. Chicago, um, the market is so competitive that people are, um, you know, of course, we're in like highest and best multiple offer situations. But Mm -hmm. um, on certain properties, I've come across to where the realtor, like the listing agent, is making buyers sign a disclosure stating that if the property appraises under the contract price, that the buyer agrees to pay the difference. which. is ridiculous, you know, yeah. like for me, I, I I almost never advise that, um, you know, clients pay t- at the top of the market, at the very top of the market for a home, let alone pay more than what is worth. Yeah. Like in what world does that even make sense?
1: Hi, how are you? I am Andre C. Hatchett, 15 year mobile notary pioneer and veteran. We have created the Notary Business School, which will show you how to start a successful, long-term needed business as a mobile notary public. Well, with 15 years of experience and with different downturns in the economy, we have labeled this business as being recession proof, meaning that you can run this business in any climate, any city, any state in America. On average, our students make between 60 and 200 and fifty dollars per appointment which usually takes under an hour i'll say that again on average our students usually make between 60 and 250 dollars per appointment as a mobile notary public if you would like to enroll and save a few dollars go to the website millie that is millie look forward to seeing you in class have a great day bye-bye Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business generating thousands per month and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the only time we did that recently where we split the difference, but the client really, really loved the home. And it was about a $6,000 difference. So then um, we let them split it, 3000 mm-hmm. each side. But since he was bringing extra money to the table, and he was fine with it. Yeah. But I couldn't sign it. I wouldn't sign that addendum saying, you know, you'll pay more than that. No, let's wait for the appraisal. Let's see what we can negotiate then. But no, absolutely would never sign that addendum. Yeah, that's, I mean, it would have to be just something that my clients just had to have. And even then I would still say, let's wait for the appraisal.
3: Interesting stuff. Um, You guys are just like having a super deep realtor conversation. This is great. <laughs> um. So I guess we're coming towards the end of the show. So we're going to ask you a few quick wrap up questions. Um, And the first question is who is somebody that you look up to and why?
0: Oh, definitely my stepdad. He, um, he just, like, from young, he, like, just kind of marched to the beat of his own drum. Um, He started, I mean, really, really young. And, and same way, when everyone said, you can't do that, you can't do that, you know, especially in the Virgin Islands, you know, 70 years ago, and saying, no, I'm going to do this, and, like, going after it. And, like I said, it wasn't until I became an entrepreneur and I started going through kind of the challenges that I was able to look to him and appreciate, you know, him getting up at four and five in the morning every day to make, you know, his stuff work and not coming home till late at night, dog tired. But I mean, he set trends. He, he was, you know, someone that went out there and did what, you know, was even unthinkable in, you know, in his time. So definitely, definitely on a daily basis. Now that's who I think about. Like when I have something that I'm like, oh my gosh, Justin, are you really going to try to do this? And I'm like, you know, he comes to me and I'm like, yes, definitely. It can be done and
3: go out there and do it. What is your favorite business or real estate book?
0: Um, Business or real estate book. If it is for a traditional um, real estate agent, I would definitely say um, it's the one by Keller Williams. I have it right here. The Millionaire Real Estate Agent. Um, Because Like real estate is not about reinventing the wheel. Like, you know, you don't really have to go out there and try to do, you know, I've had agents that you tell them to do this one way and then they kill themselves trying to make it extra, trying to make it and then it doesn't work. Don't reinvent the wheel. And I love that that book kind of gives you a roadmap and it says it often. You know, it's already been laid out for you. Just follow the steps and you'll be fine. So
2: um, definitely that book for traditional real estate agents. Nice. Um, What do you think of that? What do you think sets apart um, successful people from those who fail, give up, or never get started?
0: Consistency. Consistency and sticking to it. Um, You know, it's not a quick business. It really isn't. Real estate is not for the faint of heart. It is for someone that, really really wants to do it and that is gonna know hey the hard work is gonna pay off i just have to stick to it it won't be quick it won't be oh my i'm sorry um it won't be quick but you know if i stick to it and i do something towards it every single day it will pay off
3: yeah. I think that's one of the cool things about um, what you were talking about earlier, how you you took your eight months and you were just building your business and you're kind of just laying breadcrumbs. You're like you're laying breadcrumbs out in the world, sowing your seed into the world, building your brand. And so then when you bring in other agents, you kind of teach them that same method. And I wish that I was taught that because early in my career, you, you jump out there, you're licensed to your financial advisor, which is kind of like a an investment real estate agent <laughs> in a lot of ways. Um, mm-hmm. but you, you're you expected to hit the ground running. And if you're not hitting the ground running, you start thinking there's something wrong with you. And really that's just how business works. You, you spend a whole year just creating that footprint for you. So that's what I've done in my own business. And that's what kind of having your own business allows you to do is do it on your time. Because it's tough to have to build that business and you have a manager who's like, did you get to sell yet? Did you get to sell yet? Did you get to sell yet? Mm-hmm. And you start to get discouraged and you start to think there's something wrong with you and then you just quit.
0: Absolutely, yes. And I think that's the biggest um, misconception when it comes to, you know, real estate and entrepreneurship. You know, I, my son um, is doing loans now and he's finally branched out on his own and it's like, just keep at it. Just keep at it. Everyone's timeline is different. As long as you work on it every day, just keep at it. It'll happen. So that's, you know, that's the, the message that I would, you know, really wish that everyone like kept in their head and knew when they're coming into this business or starting any of any business, you know, just keep working. Nothing worth having comes immediately. Just keep
2: working and it'll come. Right. Right. Yeah. And our last question is, so what does success mean to you?
0: To me, um, and I know this is probably going to sound kind of cliche and kind of, but really it just means being able to help other people. I I feel, you know, there's a lot of times when I feel like I'm not doing enough and then, you know, someone comes and tells me, you know, you helped me do this or I appreciate this. And then in that moment is when I feel like the best or the most successful, because I know that I was able to kind of help someone or make a, you know, make a difference or, or push them along or give them a little bit of encouragement. So to me, like having the platform that I have now and, and having agents and stuff that that's what... Um, that's the best part, you know, just kind of being able to guide and, and help and, and push along and give people, maybe let people learn from what I struggled with and help them kind of minimize that struggle and get to where they want to go. Awesome.
3: So where can people find out more about you? Where can they follow you? And where can they support anything that you have going on?
0: So they can, on Instagram, we have, you know, CJM Roti, at CJM Realty. um um, me personally i am at y guerra underscore um cjm Realty also on instagram so any one of those pages they can find us they can see what we have coming up we have some amazing 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 listings coming up um here within the next couple months so any um anyone that's looking for a home in houston Give us the follow.
2: Yeah, and I think it's really awesome too. Like said, that you um, are that investor friendly um, brokerage that people can go to in the Houston area. So I'm sure um, our Houston uh, listeners will be reaching out to you for that. So thank you yeah. so much for coming on the show and just you know sharing with um, folks about like you said, getting started where you are. You know, figuring it out, even if that means starting backwards. Or you know, it's not a, it's not a such thing as starting too late. It's just a matter of getting started um Mm. also the idea of um job security is actually you know not secure at all um which you know we teach and preach all the time i know charles talks about it all the time um and you like you said like you were like hey um you know i'm gonna keep trying to get a job because i'm good and i'm qualified but, you know, giving you the kick and the push that you needed over and over and over again to get out the door and then finally start your brokerage. And, you know, it's like, you know, look at what you've been able to create and been able to accomplish by now versus, you know, would you have been this far along if you were still trying to do real estate just on the side part time outside of your nine five. So I really, you know, I definitely commend you for that.
3: Awesome. So uh, episode 151. My name is Charles Ogesley. We have Roshana Scott with our guest, Yesenia. Thank you guys all for tuning in. Make sure you leave us a rating and review. We like ratings and reviews, preferably five-star reviews. Leave comments, leave recommendations so that we can improve our show and get a better and better every day. Episode 151, signing off.